Hello there. Welcome to the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback. The Sermon Talkback is a chance for pastors and members of Christ Covenant to process the sermon, ask questions to the preacher, and more practically apply the content of the sermon. If you have a question for the Sermon Talkback, please text it to the Text to Pastor line at 678 951 9041, or you can ask through Twitter by tweeting to Jason directly at Jason Edwin Dees. Enjoy. All right. I'm joined today by three special ladies. Um, first of all, all to say that I'm Blake Rogers. Typically, the host of the Sermon Talk Back is our very own Jason Dees. But Jason Dees is on a study week. Uh, one of the things that uh, he does as he serves the church as he gets away to think about the sermon series almost a full year in advance. It's really, really neat that he does that. Um, and so he's out and uh, I'm in for today. I'm pinch hitting for him. And so I'm joined by three special ladies. Uh, we've got Aaron Glover, um, Lauren Papa, and then also Karen Witt. Uh, Karen's joining us from Auburn, Alabama, uh, but we've, we've uh, been able to dial her in. And so uh, one of the things we wanted to do is is have some female perspective as we end our biblical womanhood series. We wanted to get some good female perspective on on the on the sermon from Sunday, the 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 whole sermon series, and then also give us some insight into how these things practically look in their lives. And so, ladies, thank you all so much for being here. Glad to be here. Awesome. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yep. Um, Aaron, why don't you give just brief introduction? Why don't each of you just say like 10, 15 seconds, who you are, how long you've been a part of the church, and I think it would be helpful for our listeners. Um, like Blake said, I'm Aaron Glover. I have been a part of Christ Covenant for two and a half years now. Um, have two teenagers in my house and been married for 20 years. Awesome. Um, Lauren Papa here, and I've been at Christ Covenant since we started this thing two and a half years ago, and I'm married to Matt. We have five kids and have been married for 12 years. Awesome. Karen? My name is Karen Witt, and I have been at Christ Covenant for almost, I guess, two and a half years as well, and I am um, single and work as an accountant. Awesome. Well, thanks again, y'all. Um, excited to hear what are some impressions from the sermon uh, yesterday. Very difficult passage from 1 Corinthians 11. A classic text on head coverings. But what were some of your uh, impressions from the sermon? I need to get a head covering. No, you got to get a head covering. Okay. <laughs> All right, Aaron. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I thought Jason did a great job. I love the idea that we complement each other. Um, and that's God's design is that one doesn't rule over the other is that he has, you know, created mm-hmm. us to complement each other. Yes, the husband or the man is the head, but he also created us to be a helper right. and to and within that we don't compete with each other mm-hmm. that we um, we complement each other. And if you go so far to the patriarch that he was talking about or over to the you know the feminist the matriarch you you lose god's design in that and mm-hmm. god like jason said can't be glorified in that and yeah. so i loved how he if we both see our role um that we 
glorify God. Mm. And that's the reason we're here. That's good. I think, you know, the Bible is such an interesting book, right? And, And we as Christians, our job is to always return to the Bible, to look to see how we ought to view ourselves by understanding who God is. Uh, The Bible is not primarily a book about you and I. It's a book about God. But as we understand who God is and the order that he's created, we actually begin to flourish when we faithfully function within that design. And so I think Jason did a really good job yesterday as well explaining kind of what complementarianism means and how does all of this fit together. And then ultimately, it's rooted in the Trinity. It's rooted in Jesus' submission. And it's ultimately connected to God's glory. Um, Karen, you have any thoughts from yesterday's sermon? Yeah, I um, I had really not thought of that marriage is such a good example of the Trinity and just the proper order in which God has designed um, men and women in the context of just authority and that type of thing. You know, it looks a little different for me as I, I don't have a husband, but just thinking through ways that, you know, where I do have authority in my life through work or those types of things. Um, Mm -hmm. and just having a heart and disposition of, um, submission towards God. Um, Mm -hmm. the other thing too, is just when he was talking about meekness and that that really isn't a sign of weakness, but a sign of strength. And it, it really shows our disposition towards our um, relationship with God. No, that's good. Um, whenever Abby and I do marriage counseling, which we love to do um, for for young couples, we've done it a few for a few couples here at Christ Covenant. We have done it previously, um, you know. And we by no means have all the answers. <laughs> you know, us doing marriage counseling is kind of like ironic because the reality is, is like, <laughs> you know, we are still being sanctified in this journey of marriage ourselves. But one of the things we talk about when we talk about this idea of submission is that it it ought to be a disposition that you possess. It's not a rule or law that you have to like abide by in every situation, but rather it ought to be a disposition of, of submission that comes from a respect for your husband's role, etc. Or, as Karen is saying, your authority's role. And so, um, and I think it's super insightful as a as a single woman recognizing this same disposition that is talked about within the context of marriage is, is the same disposition that I ought to have towards God's rule, his goodly rule over our lives. Um, we had an interesting text a pastor, text a pastor question um, yesterday. It actually may have came in this morning. It says this, in the sermon, it was advised that single women in particular pursue meekness. Would it be considered sinful not to be not to pursue this? And along the same lines, as the personality versus spirit conversation, um, what does it look like to pursue a meek spirit versus a meek personality? I don't know if y'all have any um, insights um, to um, that question. I think I would start by just reading Matthew five five, which just says. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So I think when you're coming at it from a question of, is it sin to not pursue meekness? Um, 
I mean, honestly, I would say, yeah, (laughs) but not just for women. I think it's, I think meekness is a quality that Jesus possessed, Mm -hmm. right? Sure. So maybe I'm taking it too far to say, maybe I'm taking it too far to say that it's sin to not care about being meek. I don't know, but, but I do know that that is what Jesus embodied. And as believers, we are called to be like Christ and to image him to the world too. So to just say, well, I don't really like that part, so I'm going to leave that out. I just, I don't think that's wise. Mm-hmm. That's what I, I think that's what I'd say. Yeah. And I think, you know, our culture doesn't really value meekness. No. Does it? I mean, it, it, it values the opposite of, um, you know, just triumphal uh, arrogance even at times, like yeah. being bombastic a lot of times in our culture is, is what movies are made about. And it's what, um, you know, the bombastic player on the sports team is usually the polarizing figure that gets the most views. And so that's the person that we highlight. Um, it's not the meek person. And so the gospel proclaims to us a different way, right? The, the way of Jesus, um, who was meek. And along those lines, just back to the passage that we read last week, first Peter three, in verse four, let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable, imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. It's not very precious in the culture side, but it is precious in God's sight. So that alone probably should cause us to say, I want that. Like yeah. if that is what is precious to the Lord, I want that. But then the question becomes, okay, well, how? Yeah. And I love that. I- he- Oh, well, I was just going to say, I've, I've known a lot of women who are like, I, who, who just don't like, and, and even, and I, I say, I've known a lot of women. I was this woman, um, who just don't like, um, those initial, even so much of it is not actually what the Bible says about womanhood, but it's what we culturally bring to the conversation, what we bring when we read, the scriptures and there's just this pushback of well I'm loud and mm-hmm. I I like to be in charge of things and I like to lead things so so what so what does God say about that and to that I would just say who gave you those <laughs> who gave you those yeah. characteristics mm-hmm. like who who made you that way your father made you that way it's good um I my I have three girls and they their personalities are all so different but I have one in particular who is super strong-willed and she pushes back against everything that Matt and I have to say. And she is the life of the party. She's going to walk into a room. She's got a huge smile on her face. She, you know, she owns it. And I tell her all the time, baby, I love that about you because God made you that way. And in all of our strengths, and in all of our weaknesses, we have to seek redemption through those things, mm-hmm. right? Like we don't just give vent to, well, this is how I am. So this is what I'm going to do and when I want to do it. And I don't care what anybody says about it. Mm-hmm. That is a poor use of the way God has wired us. It's when we can take all the beautiful things about being meek doesn't mean that you have to like sit quietly with your hands folded in your lap. Mm-hmm. You know, like you said, yeah. it's a posture and you can be loud and you can have opinions and still have a respectful and kind posture in the way that you deal with people. Beautifully said. That's great. Anything else to add? 
Is that? If not, that's great. We can move on. Um, impressions from the sermon series. Now, you know, ahead of you guys answering, I just want to say what Jason did here, I think, took a lot of courage. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He addressed a tough topic through the most difficult passages in the Bible that could be used to explain biblical womanhood. So with that said, you know, um, there's still a lot in the Bible about biblical womanhood, right? This in a lot of ways, hopefully, was just the start of a conversation um, or or an investigation. It's the start of a journey for many of, of you who are listening who are seeking to understand um, what biblical womanhood is, what it looks like. And so uh, we didn't address everything that was said, but we hope that it, it kind of compelled you towards pursuing God's design by understanding God's design and then bringing yourself under uh, that good and beautiful design. And so there's a lot out there to be said about biblical womanhood. Um, and so, um, what did you ladies think about the sermon series, uh, in general? And, and along with that, were there things that we missed? Um, I'll jump in there on that one. Um, I think as in terms of this series in general, some things that stood out to me, um, are, I think there, there has to be, I hope that we can have a posture Um, so many, so many women are going to hear this and they're going to be upset because it's coming from a man. Um, and so I think there right there is like an opportunity to walk in meekness and walk in humility. Um, and, and take a, if if we're going to take offense at something, don't take offense at something Jason said, let's take it to the scriptures and let's really, you know, Aaron and I were talking this morning about how. Um, maybe some of this is not quite as inflammatory inflammatory for us because we we went through a season where all of this was deeply offensive mm-hmm. and really sought out the scriptures and said, okay, God, what what do you have to say about this? And so God has kind of massaged some of these places um, for me personally. Um, and then I would just an observation is just that it isn't shameful to be under authority. Um, I think we live in a culture that wants to buck authority in every way possible. And we just sort of want to like raise our fists in the air and be like, I'm going to be free. I don't care what anybody else says Mm -hmm. about it. And the thing is when, when we have this deep security in the freedom that is already ours in Christ, whether you're a male or a female, mm-hmm. when you are rooted in the freedom that you're given by the grace of God through the cross of Jesus, you can raise your arms to shield others versus raising your fist in anger that you're not getting what's yours. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that's, like you said, that's not a, a culturally popular stance to take. Um, but, but I think it's, you know, Mm -hmm. what God has given us is so much more than we could ever go out and try to take for ourselves. Um, so anyway, that's a, that's an observation that I had from the series. It's like Lauren said, I love biblical womanhood, but it didn't come naturally to me. Like it was something that I did when I first got married. 
I, I kind of balked the system. I didn't, I didn't want to mm-hmm. submit. I, but it was when I, I actually, when I, when we lived in another uh, state, there was a class of called God of Order, and it was all about ordering your home. Mm-hmm. And I knew that my home was out of order, so I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to seek this out. I'm going to get in the scripture and see what God says about me. And it wasn't until I fell in love with what God was saying about a biblical, biblical woman that I truly loved it and desired to be that mm-hmm. gentle, quiet, meek woman and then it's it's amazing how everything else in my house came together like it and so it's yeah and it's I think it is something that all women wrestle with I think when you're single you really don't think much about it and then when you become married you're like what I'm Mm -hmm. under somebody's authority I have to submit and it goes against what the world tells us but that's what everything Mm -hmm. in the Bible does you know and I think all of us kind of face that same reality for, for the ladies, it may be biblical womanhood, but for men, it's biblical manhood and, and other things. And the thing that we come to the text with, um, the, the question that faces us at every turn whenever we're confronted with hard truth is, is exactly what Adam and Eve heard in the garden. Did God really say? Mm-hmm. Did God really say? Um, and in order to move forward in, in anchoring our lives in the truths of God design, God's design, we have to we have to come and say, God says this, and it is right, and it is good, and it is ultimate, because God is right and good and ultimate. And therefore, I'm going to uh, lean into to what he put, has put forward in his word. Now, Karen, I thought you had a very uh, interesting experience that you were telling us about uh, earlier. And so, your thoughts on the series? Yeah, so it's been, you know, challenging and encouraging to me, I think. Um, I was telling you guys earlier that I had to really, um, I had a, I was, I found myself because it was a man delivering the sermon that I had pretty strong knee jerk reactions and became very (laughs) critical of any word that came out of Jason's mouth (laughs) at certain points. (laughs) Um, I've been watching the series, like you said, I'm in Auburn, I'm with my dad and I can't even honestly remember what Jason said, but I looked at my dad and said, I can't, you know, some interpretation. And my dad looked at me and went, I did not hear that at all that way. (laughs) I had to to confess some of that and try to listen more with ears, not being critical, um, Mm -hmm. but kind of listen just as what, you know, God is trying to show me through this. But, this is honestly one of the first times that I have heard a sermon series really on biblical womanhood, womanhood that wasn't focused specifically on the role of women as a wife or a mother. Mm-hmm. And while there is a lot of that in this, I, I think what I've learned through this series is I, as a single woman, I don't know that I really thought that biblical womanhood applied to me because I had just thought of it as, well, I'll figure that out when I become a wife or if I become a wife or mother, I'll figure Mm -hmm. that out, but there's no application for me. And so this series has been, while a lot of the applications were for 
you know, women who are wives and mothers, there are applications for me and my life and how I should have a posture of um, submission and towards authority. Um, I would, uh, you know, and a lot of the examples given for single women of how we can apply this was in preparation for marriage. I would encourage, and this is something that I've I've struggled with in my life and still do at certain times is I would just encourage single women listening to this, that don't, the focus of this should be, we want to pursue this to glorify God, not to hopefully get the end goal of being married. If that makes sense. That, because I think if you pursue it in, well, I got to do this so that God will give me a husband that if that is not God's plan for your life, then that can cause bitterness and Mm. you're not going into it in the right way. And so I would just encourage women to keep your heart postured towards submitting to God and bringing glory to him through this and not just with marriage as the end goal. Karen, that's so good. Mm -hmm. That is good. And I would say that um, even married women, that's why we submit. That's why we do those things is to glorify God, not anything else, right, but yeah. to bring him glory. Mm-hmm. And specifically to single women, I would say, and like you, uh, you shared this a little bit in the sermon yesterday, but my aunt um, would never, she was my grandmother's twin sister and she never married. She never had kids, but she was every bit as much of a mothering like grandmother kind of figure to my mom and to like my brother and I as my actual grandmother was. Mm -hmm. And so I don't, I don't think we can say enough that singleness does not mean you are missing out on anything. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that you are incomplete. It doesn't mean that God has forgotten you. You are exactly where the Lord would have you just as I am exactly where the Lord would have me. Um, and there is, there's beauty and there's fruit and there are ample opportunities to embody mm-hmm. mothering, like in the accidental feminist, the book that kind of a lot of people in our church have been reading right now. She talks about how, um, Adam called Eve the mother of life before she ever had ever a had child, a, yeah. before she brought life into the world. Biologically, he called, he called her that. And that applies to women in general, that calling forth, that nurturing of life itself, regardless of whether these are your biological children or children you're mentoring, your nieces and nephews, those, all of those roles are so vital to mm-hmm. our culture. Yeah. Yeah. You're- and I found that, so I, found that I, I think the first series on hope or the first sermon on hope really was incredibly encouraging to me and to your point, Lauren, is that you know, we're spiritual mothers in different Mm -hmm. ways. And, you know, God has a purpose and a plan for us and that we do fit in the church and God does have a role for us in the church and in his plan. Yeah, it's really, really helpful, y'all. Great conversation. Um, You reminded me of, again, I know I keep going back to 1 Peter 3, but I think it's just such a great passage in this anchor verse for this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves uh, obviously, he's explaining what it means to have um, the the quiet spirit that is precious um, in the sight of the Lord, a gentle and quiet spirit. Um, but it's rooted in not their circumstance. It, it, it wasn't that 
you know, Sarah, who he goes on to talk about here in a little bit, who was barren for so, so many years, who even had a promise. She had a promise from the Lord that Abraham's offspring would be as numerous as the stars in the sky and that all of the nations would be blessed. And yet she was barren for years and years and years. But the beauty of her response is that she hoped in God. And that's one of the things that I hope comes across throughout all of this. And this speaks to women, speaks to men, wherever you are today, in good circumstance or ill. If you're where you think you should be or where you think you're not, you know, there's still a chance. There's an opportunity for you just to hope in the Lord, to trust him, to know that he is good, to know that he is sovereign, and to know that he's working all things for the good of those who love him, called according to his purpose. Um, ladies, I've got a tough question. Okay, This came from the text of Pastor Line as well. It is regarding head coverings. So obviously, the passage yesterday, 1 Corinthians 11, um, you know, even <laughs> the heading in my little ESV Bible right here is head coverings. Do y'all have a head covering? Okay, that you so, use on a regular basis. So for here's or? here's the funny thing. So I am probably like one of the only women <laughs> in our church who wears hats all the time. I love hats, and so when J- Jason swung by our house on Saturday, and he was like, "Oh, so I, yeah, I guess uh, no hat on Sunday," and I hadn't even looked at the passage that he <laughs> that he had asked me to read. I was like, I was like, "Oh yeah," so I was like just kind of joking with him, and then. And then I realized like, oh, it's the passage about head coverings. And I was like, wait a second, are you serious? I can't wear a hat. And he, it was, it was just so honestly, I thought it was really kind because he, he did ask me to not wear a hat because he didn't want that to be a thing that somebody watching would look at and go, Hey, well, she's wearing a hat and she's, you know, reading scripture or whatever. But it was just, it was really funny because I wear hats all the time. (laughs) Yeah. So I know. So, but what, what, why not guys? I mean, obviously this passage, um, seems to indicate or could seem to indicate that head covering should be required. And so we did want to address that. Uh, I don't know if you have any further thoughts. I'll kind of give, you know, there, there has been a difference, probably a scale of application that churches have, have yeah. embarked upon. So, you know, our, our responsibility in everything with scripture is to submit to it as our authority and then try to understand how to live this out today. Um, you know, the, the, the truths of old in the, the moments that we live, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do as we grow as Christians. And so I actually don't think that, um, that women have to wear head coverings, physical head coverings because of this. I think, uh, in verse three, I think Paul is, is simply laying the framework and he's giving visual, like a visual image and like a tangible action to describe and reflect what he says in verse three here. He says this, but I want you to understand. Okay, so we should stop right there. Paul's explaining what he wants us to understand. So this is the thing that is absolutely true. It's all true, but this is what he wants us to understand, that the head of every man is Christ. The head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. Um, so he kind of gives this very theologically robust statement before he goes into some very practical ways that you can reflect this statement in the outworkings of your church. First being to men, right? Um, every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered, covered dishonors his head. 
Now we know Matt Papa. <laughs> Matt Papa also is a hat wearer. And uh, is he in sin when he does it? I don't think so. I, I, I don't think that is the, I don't think that's what Paul is getting at here. I think he's getting at what we want to do in our church services is reflect the order of God. And if we are doing anything in our church services that, that confuse the order of God, then we, we need to figure out how to adjust and, and what to do. But I don't think there's necessarily a, uh, a restriction that you have to put on head coverings for men and, and a restriction on women that you have to wear them. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think so either. No. Um, I think that there, I think again, it... But I mean, this should it surprise us? Because what did Jesus do when he was alive? He spoke in parables. He said things that made people go deeper and ask questions and search things out. He wasn't just going to give you an easy answer, mm-hmm. right? And so should we be surprised when we come up across things in Scripture that make us kind of scratch our heads? Like, there's a reason for that. Mm-hmm. There's a reason. And it should push us deeper into the Scriptures, deeper in, into, I think, you know, Jason briefly mentioned hermeneutics yesterday, and that is so important. And not just for theologians, not just for people who are on staff at a church. Hermeneutics, the way you read the Bible, is important for every person who calls themselves a believer. Yeah, absolutely. And and we certainly want to be a church family that like grows in that. Mm-hmm. Like we we all have like you know the Bible is very complex, right? It's a story that is absolute truth. Um, and it's complex in, in, in terms of its authorship, different personalities behind the writings, um, different contexts that, that these writings were given into. So um, this First Corinthians passage actually was written to an, an actual church in Corinth in time and history. And so what we're seeking to do is understand what was said there and how it applies to where we are in Atlanta today. And so we want to be a church family that like continues to grow uh, to understand how to read the Bible, how to interpret the Bible, and um, how to and, order ourselves. And rightly. I would, I would even go so far as to say that it, I can think of particular denominations of church. I did not grow up in a denomination where women wore hats or covered their heads, but I can think of denominations that do. Mm-hmm. And we, I, I don't want to be the kind of person who's looking at them, going, "You're missing the boat." Mm-hmm. You know what? I, do you know right. what I mean? Like yeah. there should be a. You know, hopefully we're all understanding this in the sense of this is about an inward posture. This is about order. This is about God's design, not the actual thing on my head. Right, right, right. right. But we, you know, I want to do that in a way that isn't necessarily like putting down somebody who reads this and says, okay, well, you know what? I, I actually am going to cover my head, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And if you, if your identity becomes the thing that's on your head, then that's an issue, yeah. right? You, you might be very rigidly following what could be interpreted as a command, but your righteousness becomes your ability to, to follow through on what God commands instead of Christ. And so, um, you know, it's all, it's all um, an interesting journey, you know, just trying to figure these things out. Y'all said something earlier as well that I wanted to address. Um, and I can't remember who said it. it Maybe been Aaron. Um, we want what we cannot have. Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that. What, why, what do you mean? And, and why does that matter for this sermon series? It goes back to Genesis 3. I mean, the fall. What happened there was 
they had that one tree they couldn't eat from and that's they had that's everything what else they want. Yeah, yeah yeah and um they were tempted what do you, you really can't have you know fruit from that tree and i think with biblical womanhood there are things that as women in a church we're not supposed to do and i think sometimes we can get caught up in the things that we are not supposed to do and miss out on all the wonderful things that God has called us to do. Well said. I I think that's perfect. Anything to add there, Lauren or Karen? Karen, how about you? Do you have anything? No, no. I agree with everything that's been said. Well, awesome. Um, I, to that point, I, I would, I love what you just said in that, when you're so focused on what you, on the exclusions, on what you can't have, you miss out on the beauty of what you can and do have. Um, and you know, it, it's, that is sin nature. Mm -hmm. And here again, I'm saying something that the culture at large does not want to talk about, which is sin that I could actually be wrong in, in all of my, certainty that I'm right. I could actually be wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I, and I applied that to myself, right? Like I, I, I come to the scriptures and I come to my faith with a lot of questions and I try my best. And it's just funny because when we first got married, this was the thing that drove Matt the most crazy. I think about me is I was so sure that I was right about everything (laughs) and it would drive him nuts. Um, and hopefully I've grown in that a little bit, um, over the years, but, um, yeah, I just, I think that there is great gain. The scriptures say there's great gain in godliness with contentment. Again, either gender, there's Mm -hmm. great gain when we're content in what the Lord has given us. Um, and there's, there's something really beautiful in that. Yeah. That's well said. Mm -hmm. Um, well, as I mentioned earlier, this is a, um, this is the beginning of a conversation, hopefully for many of you, that, that will continue, hopefully your whole life. Hopefully you will always um, be able to, you know, to, to return to the scriptures and, and, and seek to understand. I, I'm interested, have there been very practical ways that, that you have seen these truths applied in your, in your lives? Maybe stories that you have from being a wife, being, being single, being mother, um, that, that the listeners may need, to, may need to think through. Um, I can share one and this is from our premarital counseling days. And so this is when a lot of understanding what the scriptures had to say about being a biblical woman was very, very new to me. And I was, um, a lot of this was like very grating having to, you know, I was, I'm very independent. I have a lot of opinions. Um, I am quick to let you know my opinions and, or I think I was much more so that way 12 years ago. But when we were in premarital counseling, we, you know, obviously the topic of growing our family came up and that brought up the issue of birth control. And it was funny because I didn't even know that it was an issue. I, as I was, what, 21 or 22 Mm. years old? Young Lauren. Yes. And I just thought that, well, when you got married, you went on birth control. The end. Like that, that was not even a, 
that wasn't even an issue that needed to be discussed in my mind. I just assumed that that's what happened because that's what I had seen, you know, girls Mm -hmm. I went to high school with, girls I went to college with. Everybody was just on birth. If you were having sex, you were on birth control. Mm -hmm. And so um, Matt really pushed back against that. And it, I mean, to say the least, it ruffled my feathers (laughs) because I did not want to start a family right away. I wanted, I had a plan and I wanted to wait at least five years to have kids. And so we began these months of talking back and forth prior to our getting married about, okay, do we, do we go on birth control? Do I not go on birth control? And we sort of came to this place where, and this was so much of this was me internally wrestling with the Lord and going to the scriptures and doing tons of research on, you know, on birth control itself. And there probably was a twinge of me that knew that he was probably right, but it was so terrifying to me because the thought of not taking birth control and getting pregnant really quickly after getting married was so scary. Mm -hmm. And it did not fit into what I wanted for my life. And I remember in my time with the Lord one day coming to this place where the Lord, the spirit was just like, are you, are you, I'm giving you an opportunity right out of the gate to practice godly submission. Are you going to take it? Mm -hmm. And Matt throughout the whole process listened so well and so respectfully. And I felt honored, honestly. And so I didn't have this, like I wasn't bristling against him. I was bristling against submission itself. Mm -hmm. And so where we sort of ended up landing, where what I ended up doing was just having to say, okay, Lord, I, I'm about to marry this man. And if I'm going to marry him, I, I need to be able to trust him as a leader. And when you trust your leader, whether it's in marriage or in your job, sometimes your leader is going to make decisions that you don't agree with, mm-hmm. that you don't like, that you would do differently. Um, Matt has listened to me. He has listened to my side. He's thought about what I'm saying. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going to trust you by following him. Mm. And I went to him and just said, okay, babe, I've, I, this is what I feel like you've done. You know where I am. I know where you are and I'm putting the ball in your court and I will gladly support what you decide because I feel completely confident that you have heard me and you've honored mm-hmm. me in that. And I want to honor you in this. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that story. Mm-hmm. Any other, any other practical wisdom stories? If not, this has been so fun. Thank y'all for thank y'all for joining. Karen, thank you for calling in Honestly. all the way from Auburn, <laughs> Alabama. You know, Jason will be proud that you called in from, <laughs> from Auburn. And um I'm gonna disregard what you're what you just said. <laughs> and just let it slide. Yeah. As I was saying earlier, this is the start of a conversation. We've got a biblical womanhood covenant institute course that'll be kicking off after what I think it's September 13th, okay? So it's on September 13th, it'll be a five or six week course led by our women's ministry that will hopefully give some time to digest this, hopefully give give all the ladies and even the men time to continue to discern from the scriptures more thoughtful things about biblical womanhood. And then our ladies have an opportunity to to sit in a, in a Covenant Institute course and, and digest these things uh, even further. And so... 
Karen, um, I have just a question for you. So in light of this course, what would you say to single women out there who are going, why would I ever go sit through a course on biblical womanhood? Well, I probably would have asked that same question very recently. Um, because I think, I mean, the main takeaway from this message for me has been is this is really a calling on my life and my posturing towards God. And so if I want to submit to God and be an image bearer that God has created me to be, then these are important things for me to learn. Mm, That's good. Well, ladies, thank you all so much for how faithfully uh, y'all model biblical womanhood within our church, how faithfully y'all serve our church family. It's been fun. So for Karen Witt, Lauren Papa, and Aaron Glover, thanks for listening.